Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io and Bitstamp and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Sunday, June 20th, and that means it's time for Long Reads Sunday. First of all, however, happy Father's Day to all the Bitcoin dads out there. I hope you are celebrating with your loved ones close. Anyway, for a fun Father's Day long read Sunday, I want to read a piece called How the Civil War Shapes the Future of Stablecoins. It's by Franklin Knoll, who is a historian of money, and I think is particularly relevant in a week where we had a huge debate on a national public stage at the House hearing on a digital dollar. The question of stable coins and decentralized money versus centralized money is one of the key conversations of the next decade. So let's go back in history to see how we've wrestled with that in the past. How the Civil War Shapes the Future of Stablecoins The Civil War replaced a decentralized monetary system with a centralized one, setting precedents for the regulation of stablecoins today. In 1861, civil war broke out in the United States. Over the next four years of conflict, the politics of the U.S. were remade, and so were its monetary affairs. A new monetary system was born during the war years that exists with us today and is shaping our stablecoin future. The Decentralized Currency System Before the Civil War, there was a decentralized currency system with a myriad of coins and banknotes. All banknotes were privately issued through independent banks. There was no U.S. government paper money. If a bank wanted to issue currency, it had to deposit bonds with its state banking authority. Usually, a bank could issue anywhere from 90% to 100% of the value of the bonds deposited. However, in some states, you could basically deposit worthless bonds as collateral, and some banks just ignored the rules. The result was thousands of different banknotes, all with different values. Making matters worse were wildcat banks. A wildcat bank was a fly-by-night operation that appeared in a region and spent its banknotes far and wide. Then it would just pull up stakes and disappear, leaving worthless banknotes behind. During the Civil War, Congress and the Abraham Lincoln administration overturned the decentralized system, establishing a government monopoly on money. 
It did this in a number of ways, but the most relevant to the future of stablecoins were through the redefinition of money and the establishment of the national banking system. Birth of the Money Monopoly Before the Civil War, money could be current or lawful. Current money was public or private money that was widely used. Lawful money was official money. Once the Civil War began, Congress began to equate current money with lawful money. For example, an 1862 law stated that no one could issue any instrument, quote, for a less sum than $1, intended to circulate as money, or used in lieu of lawful money. Meanwhile, in 1864, Congress declared that no one, quote, shall utter or pass any coins intended for the use and purpose of current money. So, soon, current money was the same as lawful money. In other words, the only money that could circulate freely and be used in payments was official U.S. money. Combined with this redefinition of money was the restraint of private banknotes. As we have seen during the early 19th century, private banks issued thousands of banknotes. To end this chaotic situation and establish a U.S. currency union, the national banking system was created in 1863 under the direction of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. These new national banks would be able to issue their own notes called national banknotes. In effect, the OCC re-established the private currency system on a government-controlled collection of national banks that met strict deposit, 100% reserves against issuance, and auditing criteria, and issued government-approved banknotes. Congress completed the end of private banknotes by taxing them out of existence. Eventually, the banknotes of the national banks were replaced by those of the Federal Reserve. Looking for the best way to unlock your crypto's liquidity? Nexo.io is exactly what you need. Borrow against your digital assets at just 6.9% APR. Earn passive income with yields of up to 12%. And swap between more than 100 market pairs with the instant Nexo exchange. Try the Nexo wallet app to get the whole 360 degrees of crypto banking. Get started at Nexo.io. That's N-E-X-O.io to get started today. Secure, regulated, and reliable, Bitstamp is the cryptocurrency exchange of choice for more than 4 million investors and traders worldwide. Since 2011, Bitstamp has been a trailblazer in security, head of the class in personal customer service, and dedicated to making buying crypto fast and easy. Whether you are investing on our desktop platform and mobile app or trading on our speedy APIs, Bitstamp gives you all the tools you need to reach your crypto goals. Visit bitstamp.net to learn more. Bitstamp, for all the ways we crypto. Hey guys, I want to tell you about the A16Z podcast, the go-to place for discussions about innovation and the future, as technology impacts our lives, changing everything from how we live to how we work and play. Produced by Andreessen Horowitz, otherwise known as A16Z, this is a global podcast featuring the top in their field, undiluted by reporting. Featuring expert voices from Vitalik Buterin to Chris Dixon, the A16Z podcast covers the important trends like crypto, everything from DeFi to NFTs before their trends. The show also features business leaders and entrepreneurs, top industry and academic experts, and up and coming fresh voices, as well as early book authors so you get the ideas first. The podcast is a top 10 regular on the charts and is on many best of lists and has even influenced policymakers in proposing legislation based directly on listening to episodes. If you want to stay on top of tech in the future, be sure to subscribe to the A16Z podcast. Just search for A16Z in your podcast app and subscribe. The Civil War and Stablecoins how does the monetary legacy of the Civil War impact stablecoins today? Let us look at some recent developments. 
Remember wildcat banks and the fear of a bank issuing a worthless currency taking its profits and disappearing? The Stablecoin Classification and Regulation Act, often referred to as the Stable Act, was addressing this very fear, but for stablecoins. The bill, introduced into the U.S. House of Representatives in November 2020, called for any institution issuing a stablecoin to be a member of the Federal Reserve System and to hold 100% reserves against any coin issuance. Such federal regulation, it was hoped, would prevent any wildcatting. Here, instead of wildcat banks, we have wildcat stablecoin issuers. But the Stable Act rests on a contradiction. It basically defines stablecoins as private current money and authorizes their issuance. As we have seen, current money is legally the same as lawful official U.S. money. These authorized stablecoins thus challenged the U.S. monetary monopoly established during the Civil War, clearly violating the laws of 1862 unless there are no fractional stablecoins, and 1864 mentioned above. So, are stablecoins illegal? Stablecoins run into legal trouble when they seek to be in direct competition with the U.S. dollar in retail payments. A stablecoin that tries to replace the dollar as a means of payment in everyday transactions will be identified as current money and thus in violation of the 1864 law forbidding private coins unless you argue that a stablecoin is not actually a coin or token. Stablecoins more closely resemble a monetary instrument known as scrip. Scrip is non-dollar-denominated private money that only operates in an enclosed or geographically limited system, and that cannot be directly substituted for U.S. dollars. Hence, scrip is not a challenge to the U.S. government's monopoly on money. The only legal private money in the U.S. today falls into this category. So long as stablecoins operate in closed private networks, there should not be a legal problem. This was the path the OCC took in its interpretive letter in January 2021. Here, the OCC defines stablecoins as a payment mechanism and not current money. Quote, Stablecoins serve as a means of representing fiat currency on an independent node verification network. In this way, the stablecoin provides a means for fiat currency to have access to the payment rails of an independent node verification network. This is a fancy way of saying that stablecoins are script. But let's look at another interpretive letter. On September 21, 2020, the OCC issued a statement that allowed national banks to hold stablecoin reserves for stablecoin issuers. This rule allows national banks to facilitate stablecoin issuance when they hold the 100% backing reserves. One can now envision a nationwide network of stablecoin issuers resting on the national banking system. Civil War-era national banknotes could be replaced with stablecoins. The Civil War replaced a decentralized monetary system with a centralized one, and in the process, established new monetary definitions and structures that exist to this day. The Civil War legacy is shaping the development of stablecoins and cryptocurrency in general. So let's hold aside this piece itself. I think it's very cool to have that history, and I appreciate Franklin's writing. What I'm more interested in is that there is this very central issue that has much more to do with what stablecoins envision themselves to be and how the U.S. wants to perpetuate its monopoly on money. This is not anymore a theoretical issue. Really, I believe that since the introduction of Libra by Facebook, it hasn't been a theoretical issue. It's been a very real issue. Since the moment that was announced, governments around the world who had previously had no concerns about their monopoly on money, all of a sudden did. And what it brought up is questions about what the money of the future looks like. Certainly, it seems insane to think that it would simply be the same sort of bills and coins, physical remnants of a physical era that we've had for so long. Inevitably, it seemed, it would be a natively digital money, but then again, what does that mean? These are the types of questions that set off the last two years of exploration of governments around the world around central bank digital currencies, around digital currencies in general. Meanwhile, as that has all been happening, stablecoins have grown into a $100 billion asset. Used day in, day out by traders across jurisdictions for varieties of functions, 
for the convenience, ease, effortlessness they afford. Now, to talk to someone like Jeremy Allaire from Circle, there is no inherent contradiction between a U.S.-denominated stablecoin and the U.S. dollar itself, especially a new digital dollar. In fact, I believe that many of these companies see themselves ultimately as trying to build the rails for an eventual digital dollar system. But they're also coming into the legacy of the shadow banking and euro dollar system, where trillions of dollar equivalents float around the market without any oversight or control by the U.S. government. Indeed, it is this shadow banking and euro dollar system that has people like Jeff Snyder laughing at our memes like Money Printer Go Burr because they assume that the U.S. government can actually control the money supply when, in his estimation and people who agree with him, it can't. The euro dollar system is simply too profligate, too huge to actually have Fed policy have much of an impact on the dollar at all. Stablecoins are an interesting new X factor in that, but I think that what's clear is one, Stablecoins have found product market fit in the crypto industry. They are essential and integral to a huge number of functions, and they are preferred by basically any trader who has used them versus any traditional alternative. It seems absolutely impossible to me that traditional finance traders won't similarly find the benefits of these natively digital systems. But two, the second thing that's clear is that the regulatory conversation around stablecoins is just beginning. The Stable Act, Brian Brooks' last-minute changes at the OCC, these were opening salvos of a much bigger battle. I feel reasonably confident that the biggest questions, considerations, and challenges that the larger crypto industry has vis-a-vis the U.S. government in the years to come are likely to be about stablecoins first, not about Bitcoin. Like everything, all of this comes back to how does the U.S. imagine the U.S.-led world order of the next 50 years, not the last 50 years? Some would argue that the lack of an answer to that question, more than any one answer that we don't like, has been a contributor to why there's been so much economic chaos over the last few decades. Either way, it is a fascinating time to live in. There is deep history, as you could tell from this LRS, that goes into it, and I am excited and thrilled to continue to see these developments as they happen. You are living in a historical moment, and I hope you enjoy and appreciate that. Until tomorrow, guys, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.